Get a balanced analysis on both domestic and international topics within the framework of cross-cultural comparisons. This is Dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. After concluding his four-nation visit to Africa, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi continued his first-of-the-year diplomatic tour to Brazil and Jamaica. What were the highlights of the Foreign Minister's trip to the two countries? What information can we draw from these visits? And what do these visits tell us about China's focus in Latin America? Join us for our discussion from Beijing. I'm Xu Qingdo. Joining us for today's show are Jose Ricardo Jr., CEO of Leech China, and Professor John Gong from University of International Business and Economics, and Professor Rodrigo Zaidan from NYU Shanghai. Welcome to Dialogue. Well, I start with you, Ricardo. You know, we know uh, uh, Foreign Minister Wang Yi's visit to uh, Latin American countries, including your country, Brazil. Uh, tell us what are the priorities? What are the issues? You know, both sides are eager to exchange with each other. Uh, it has been a very fruitful visit because Brazil and China, we uh, established the 50th uh, anniversary uh, of diplomatic ties since 1974. And we are now uh, in a new era of relationship based on basically on two main pillars of innovation and also sustainability. Uh, China and Brazil, we do have very strong ties. We are now in a phase uh, of uh, a strategic, comprehensive relationship. So it means that China and Brazil, we are developing a lot of exchange, not only on trade, it's important to highlight that in 2023, uh, the trade between Brazil and China was of uh, 157 billion US dollar. Only uh, Brazil exports uh, 100 billion in terms of commodities uh, such as iron, petrol, or soybean, cellulose, animal proteins such as uh, beef, pork, and chicken, sugar, among others. So it's also relevant to say that China is the biggest trader of Brazil since 2009. Uh, Brazil was the first country in Latin America to reach a trade with China uh, surpassing uh, 100 billion US. If we consider Brazil itself in Latin America, Brazil is responsible and accounts for 50% of the total trade with China. So that's the reason why we have to intensify this dialogue always based on the principles of Pacific coexistence. The relationship between Brazil and China is a win-win game in which mutual benefits and reciprocity are the basic pillars uh, for us to strengthen even more our ties. Mm -hmm. uh, so, John, I mean, 50% of China's trade with Latin American countries uh, lie in uh, basically the trade with uh, or investment with Brazil. So, I mean, uh, it goes without saying, of course, Brazil is important, right? Absolutely. Brazil is an important country uh, from China's perspective in that region because after all it's the largest country both in terms of its uh, geography and, and population and economic size. Uh, I think Brazil uh, really sits in the center of uh, China's uh, diplomatic focus in that region. Um, not to say uh, that uh, Brazil and China are important uh, you know, founding members of the uh, the BRICS uh, platform, um, and, uh, and I think um, 
this administration, Lula's administration in Brazil, also um, uh, have a lot, has a lot of interest with China. Even from a political perspective, I think uh, it's a you know, fairly uh, left-wing uh, government uh, and that its uh, domestic policies, economic policies are much in line with uh, China's penchant. Uh, uh, so, so I think you know, from all perspectives, I think uh, China and Brazil uh, would uh, jointly develop their relationship moving forward, particularly uh, against the backdrop of the quite dramatic political change uh, in this neighboring country, which is Argentina as well know it. Uh, yes, uh, Rodrigo, uh, you know, if you look at the, of course, you know, over the past few years, there were, uh, you know, uh, the government under uh, Bolsonaro, and of course, because of pandemic, the relationship was affected uh, to a certain degree. And now we have uh, the Lula presidency, you know, we are seeing improved relationship between the two countries. Uh, so what are the plans uh, to further this relationship? Or, you know, what are the uh, see new areas you know, the two countries are looking at probably to cooperate and to for investment for trade for probably overall relationship in the case of of uh, trade and investment between brazil and, and china right now there is a big investment of byt in electric vehicles in brazil in the state of bahia uh, but also brazil is very important in terms of food security for china uh, brazil exports a lot of uh, soy uh, and China, since the pandemic uh, specifically, has been looking towards food security issues, right, to guarantee their supply of food in a world in which you have increased threats uh, from other countries. And again, uh, not only are Brazil and China part of the BRICS, which is an organization that started in 2001 as a report from Goldman Sachs, but is now an institution, right? But also very important for China is the fact that a former Brazilian president is the head of the National Development Bank mm -hmm. in China, right? Uh, the New Development Bank is the old BRICS Bank, and uh, uh, former President Dilma Rousseff uh, lives in Shanghai now and is heading this very important institution. All of this uh, make um, the any relationship between China and Brazil, which again was strained in the past because of the extreme right-wing government in Brazil, much more fruitful, uh, not only today, but also moving forward. Well, that's right. And uh, we are seeing, uh, obviously, some concrete measures out of this trip uh, by Foreign Minister Wang Yi. You see, like both sides agree, uh, Ricardo, to uh, extend the uh, validity of visa from five to 10 years. Tell us how important that is, you know, for business people like you, you know, to travel back and forth between the two countries. Well, I run a, a business platform that unites the Brazilian and the Chinese entrepreneurs, so I do need to come here to China quite often. And having this policy of opening up even more uh, means that China is very open uh, for intensifying the dialogue with Brazil. Uh, we have uh, to pay attention uh, on all the new technology and sustainable uh, information that China is providing, sustainable development of China. So in terms of exchange, uh, with this visa application, which has an extension of 10 years, now we can come more often here. And the Chinese delegation that we are receiving in Brazil, we can see and we can feel how eager the Chinese delegations are to develop the communication with Brazil in several different aspects. We can say and we can highlight the ESG in terms of uh, infrastructure, digital infrastructure, 
the 5G telecommunications, uh, the electric vehicles and clean energy. Uh, Professor Rodrigo just mentioned about BOID opening a factory there in Brazil, but also we can see other companies such as Great Wall Motors uh, starting to develop even more its market in Brazil. It's a very blue ocean for the Chinese companies because uh, the Brazilians are eager to consume more Chinese goods. So we definitely can cooperate also in other sectors such as uh, artificial intelligence. We are also talking about cloud computing and other segments which will benefit both countries. We do have, as I said before, uh, reciprocity and bilateral ties in terms of respect and also beneficial uh, things for both countries. Uh, yes, you know, earlier we mentioned about uh, so Brazilian export, you know, for beef, soybeans to China, you know, uh, some figures say one third of that goes to China. And then you're talking about the BYD and of course 5G technologies, etc. So we are going beyond, let's say, agricultural uh, products, uh, you know, probably to technology and the next uh, generation, you know, te digital technology, for example. For sure. We are learning a lot from China on, uh, for example, e-commerce, on uh, logistics. We say that we are learning and we are exchanging more. So in terms of logistics, for example, China is already in Brazil uh, and they are, uh, we say, tropicalizing their products. So we, we have uh, to not only to import yeah. uh, Chinese technology and Chinese expertise, but also adapt to the Brazilian culture, to the Brazilian exactly. business culture. Yeah, localization, uh, John, that's necessary. I mean, that's your area, you know, business, so of course, localization. Um, I still remember, you know, uh, President Lula, when he visited Shanghai, you know, he paid a visit to, to Huawei, mm -hmm. I remember. So, so we are seeing uh, let's say, um, you know, uh, probably increasing uh, presence of the Chinese tech companies in in right. in, in in Brazil, but also you know a, a little bit of geopolitical uh, you know ingredients here. China's relationship with the West in general uh, is not that good. Let's say to put it mildly, with the U.S. is bad. With the European countries, there are problems. So probably uh, you know the Middle East, uh, Latin America, of course, Brazil is the is the the yeah. area. I, I, I think if you look at the Latin American history, I think the past 50, 60 years of uh, history with the United States has been a very painful one. You know, <laughs> we all know that that uh, you know U.S. foreign policy in that region hasn't been very benign in my view. Um, and in, in that regard, I think, um, you know, Chinese tech companies' presence in that region, at least, I think, alleviates this sort of trust issue. I think, you know, the, you know, you look at what American companies have done uh, in Latin America in the last 50, 60 years uh, in collaboration with the uh, U.S. government agencies, and it's not a very nice story. Um, so I think, uh, you know, Chinese companies at least don't have that at all. Uh, I think Huawei, there's no shred of evidence of uh, Huawei ever cooperating <laughs> with any government, you know, to collect information, all that kind of things, even though it has been accused a lot, but there's no solid evidence at all. So I think, uh, you know, these tech companies from China really provide uh, an improvement in infrastructure there, also as well as, I think, um, you know, elevating the technological development level in Latin American countries as well. You, know, you, you talk about, um, you try to localize things, but I think also, you know, that region can um, be a base for, uh, you know, conducting uh, research and development in in developing new technologies for their market. So all of these are happening. I know, uh, in addition to Huawei, I know, you know, like these handset companies, like, you know, Oppo, uh, like Xiaomi, they're also rapidly expanding in, the, in that region as well. Um, and, um, 
the auto, automobile industry, I think, you know, the, oh, the, EVs. the, the, the electric, even before electric vehicles, I know ah. there are several um, uh, automobile companies, uh, you're talking about ICE cars, right, mm -hmm. uh, internal combustion car, engine cars, are very active in, in Brazil, right? I know, for example, uh, the two companies in, from Anhui province, from Cherry, for example, they've That's been, they're, they're being, uh, you know, operating in Brazil for some time. And mm -hmm. also another company called Jianghuai, they're also Jiang operating Jiang in, yes. in, in, in Brazil for, for quite a while. Now you have a new wave of, uh, electric vehicle companies coming from China. So I think um, a lot of opportunities, um, I, th I think at a very fundamental level, the two economies are very complementary. Brazil is probably the world's largest, um, one of the largest resource exporting country, right? Um, and, and, and China is a manufacturing powerhouse. And I think the, the combination of these two countries and China's investment in, in Brazil would definitely uh, generate benefits for both sides. Uh, Rodrigo, earlier you mentioned about you know Brazilian stance, let's say political stance of being neutral, uh, in particular, uh, let's say, in between China and the United States. We know the U.S. would see China as a, you know, this, they do see China as a, uh, you know, geopolitical competitor, see the top rival. So, the, you know, we know what the, you know, the policies toward China. Uh, and also, previously at least, uh, there were uh, pressure on the Brazilian side, you know, now to introduce Huawei into Brazil. But obviously, Brazil, you know, uh, saying they are independent countries, you know, they develop relationships both with both Beijing and Washington. So we are expected to see that kind of policy to continue. Yes, uh, we are expected to see that that kind of policy to continue. Brazil is not a natural ally of the U.S. Uh, if anybody knows any history, they know about the meddling of the U.S. in Latin American uh, politics. Right, the support for the, the, the military coup in Brazil in the 60s. But anyway, Brazil has good relationships with Washington today. Brazil has good relationships with Beijing today. We should expect that moving forward. We shouldn't expect that to change at all. If anything, uh, Lula's government will try to deepen their relationship with, with China before uh, deepening their relationship with the US, given that his party is very distrustful uh, of America, for better or worse. So you can expect Brazil to become uh, uh, closer to China in the near future. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Rodrigo, you know, to shift the topic a little bit here, of course, we know uh, globally there's a, basically there's a trend, you know, whether that's a strong or not, a trend to de-dollar, we call it, uh, you know, reduce the reliance on dollar, of course, the use of dollar, then they would call that de-dollarization. And President Lula, uh, you know, is one of the figures that talk about that uh, with some enthusiasm. So where are we now? You know, like, of course, you see like uh, a currency swap between countries. That's one way, right? To increase the use of your own currency, to reduce reliance on the US, uh, US dollars. What any specific or other measures uh, that can maybe introduce in the future or any near future? That is that is pure ideology on Lula's part. Again, he's he he's, has an anti-America bent and anything that would lower American power would be okay with him. But there are no real trends of de-dollarization. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, however people look at this, uh, de-dollarization requires that co competitors, competitive, competitor currencies have to be freely floating, right? Uh, people have to freely be able to trade those, those alternative currencies like the euro or the yen uh, but in the case of, let's say, China or Brazil, neither the Brazilian real or the Chinese yuan is uh, completely floating. 
I don't see any path for, for real de-dollarization anytime soon. What we have is countries that are trying to limit uh, the damage of potential American sanctions in the worst case scenario that I also think won't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, currency swaps and things like that will continue, but they are not real de-dollarization strategies. So John, this- Yeah, I, 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 to I totally disagree actually, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I think uh, de-dollarization is not gonna happen over time. It's not gonna happen overnight, but it's indeed happening right now. Um, if you look at the, we're not necessarily just talking about RMB or Brazilian currency. I think you know we're in general talking about the lessened use of um, the U.S. dollar. In addition to the reason that you know, uh, Professor just mentioned that uh, uh, you know countries or individuals might be subject to sanctions based on a Russian experience. I think there's another reason for that. Um, you, you look at, for example, um, you know the the trade volume on SWIFT system today. Um, it was just reported a few days ago that the use of IMB has increased by a huge percentage. It's now. Uh, uh, I think over four percent now, uh, you, you, uh, overpassing the role of Japanese yen. Right, you know, RMB being used more often than Japanese yen. That says something. You look at the trade uh, on oil uh, between China and Saudi Arabia, for example. Uh, some of the trade is already happening without settlement with U.S. dollar, but with RMB. If you look at China's trade with uh, the countries that have been sanctioned by the United States, with Russia, for example, with Iran, with Syria, a lot of these trade are happening without U.S. dollar at all. Uh, you know, China has been trading with Iran you know, based on um, RMB uh, for so many years. Uh, now I think over 60% of the trade between China and Russia uh, is settled with currencies other than uh, uh, the dollar. So I think uh, it's an empirical fact that uh, de-dollarization is indeed happening. Uh, but it doesn't say that's going to happen, you know, in, in that sense that uh, overnight, you know, in the sense of uh, uh, the world is not is going to dispense with the dollar. That's not going to happen. I totally agree. I think for a very, for a long time, uh, dollar is still going to play a very important role, uh, but its role is definitely diminishing. Just like the British pound's experience, the British pound used to be a dominant currency in the world, but still important currency today. But it's not a dominant currency anymore. So I think uh, you know it, something happening towards that direction uh, is indeed happening. Uh, well, that's uh, Ricardo. Obviously, that's uh, you know it's, it's similar kind of like to the economic situation, the rise of uh, the emerging markets, for example, the BRICS group, uh, yep. you know, and the expansion. Mm -hmm. That says a lot probably about this uh, you know, rising power to try to balance this global situation. It's not sure. really to say, oh, get rid of US dollars. It's really about being balanced, uh, you, know, you know. Speak of that, in both China and, and, and uh, Brazil mm -hmm. are founding members of BRICS and with expansion. Tell us more about like the two countries, you know, of course this year, G20 will be held in, in Brazil. Uh, China obviously, you know, hopes that it will be a successful one for this country. And so both countries are playing their own role in uh, striving for a multipolar uh, system. What does that mean, you know, for, uh, for Brazil, for China, and if probably for, you know, the, the, the global, uh, global order, global situation here? Well, this relationship uh, in terms of BRICS, uh, G20, and also the Brazil-China High-Level Commission on Cooperation are relevant uh, platforms for you to discuss and to strengthen the ties. So, uh, for example, in terms of uh, the BRICS, the BRICS uh, is a multilateral platform in which the Global South uh, is starting to have voice and we are starting to gain more muscles. So it's not only, for example, in terms of the de-dollarization to uh, only to not use the US dollar, but to have an alternative. 
and use the RMB, for example, uh, to develop the trade. Uh, you can uh, gain uh, time, it can, it can be faster, and also it's going to reduce the costs. So in, in the BRICS, uh, we are also discussing about the R5 which is the currency, uh, which is the R for all the, the, the currencies of the, the, the BRICS yeah, countries, yeah, Brazil, a, China. A synthetic currency, I think. It is. Yeah. They're it talking is. about synthetic <laughs> currency, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. We, we, we do have uh, several uh, important issues that are being discussed besides uh, the, the, the reform uh, of the global governance and upholding the multilateralism, because in the end, uh, that's what China is uh, making a huge effort to establish a common shared future for all humanity. So we are starting to have more dialogue, not only in terms of diplomacy, in terms of trade and investment, but as well as people-to-people -people exchange. So it's a very uh, interesting uh, and important year, uh, 2024, uh, for this 50 years uh, relationship between Brazil and China, the G20 that will be hosted in Brazil in November, and also the BRICS uh, gatherings throughout all those years since 2009. Uh, you know, Jamaica is uh, uh, one of the few that say uh, Caribbean countries, English-speaking countries, they have a strong relationship with China. China was uh, the second largest uh, trading partner of Jamaica in 2023. Uh, if you look at the year of year uh, growth of trade, that's about uh, 24 more, about 25 percent. That's a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. that's in, a rapid increase of trade between the two countries there. Yeah, well, I think uh, China's manufacturing products are very competitive, even in places that are much far away. Um, and I think, um, you know, Chinese tourists probably represent the next wave of uh, huge economic opportunities for this country. It's actually been to Jamaica before, as we just discussed. Um, and so I think uh, from China's perspective, it's a region uh, that it's not just of uh, economic interest in my view uh, it, it, this this has to do with the issue of uh, uh, Taiwan uh, if you look at the countries that still have diplomatic relationship with Taiwan uh, that region represents probably the largest block of you know Guatemala Belize yeah. uh, Haiti they still have a diplomatic relationship with with Taiwan and a couple of uh, I think three more small island countries in the Caribbean um, so so I think you know China's uh, setting a good example uh, by showing, uh, you know, economic benefits uh, by being associated with uh, with China, mainland China, uh, you know, is a is a good uh, signal to other countries, to countries like uh, you know other Caribbean countries that still have a diplomatic relationship with with Taiwan, uh, to Belize as well, to Guatemala as well. Um, so I think it's in that context that China needs to maintain a close relationship with these countries. Um, and um, uh, and again, I would say that uh, you know the, the the economies between China and these countries are very complementary. Mm -hmm. Well, if you say the overall relationship between China and Latin America, Ricardo, uh, of of course, you know there are uh, elections that are going to take place this year. You know, there's a, it's almost like a pattern: the right wing government, left wing government, uh, often that all you know impact their uh, foreign relationship. You know, with either with the U.S. or with other countries, with China. So. So, uh, what's your say? The sense of like judgment of this year's uh, change. You know, some say there's a lefty government in Latin America. You know, pink government, and now, uh, for example, in Argentina, we have a change. You know, what about other countries? Well, that's a very good point that you made, especially because when we talk about Latin America, well, there's no empty seats. So uh, China's diplomacy is trying to develop with the Latin American countries, not only to improve its uh, soft power, but also to improve trade, to improve commerce. 
to, for example, given the expertise of China in the Belt and Road Initiative, uh, we do have several successful uh, examples of how China can contribute to other countries in terms of developing the infrastructure, digital infrastructure, among others. So uh, I, can, I can tell of the relationship, uh, comparing, for example, to Brazil, the relationship with China, uh, even uh, on the right, on the left wing, I would say that China has a pragmatic approach. So this is very important. You don't want to pressure the other countries to make business uh, with them. So it's, it's a pragmatic approach in which you want to improve the dialogue and you want uh, to strengthen uh, the ties in a very uh, uh, beneficial way, always respecting these uh, five principles of Pacific coexistence, which is non-intervention, sovereignty, uh, non-intervention in domestic affairs, sovereignty, mutual respect and reciprocity. That's true. I mean, that, that's true, John, you know, uh, being practical, being pragmatic in the Chinese foreign policy, you know, basically, uh, the Chinese side doesn't really mind, you know, whether that's a right-wing government or left-wing government, whether it's capitalism or socialism, as long as we can cooperate, let's well, do it. At a very fundamental level, China's foreign policy is based on non-interference in domestic affairs, right? Uh -huh. And we don't go around the world preaching our own model. We don't want to convince other governments to follow our footsteps. And uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, it's it's all mostly based on seeking uh, uh, benefits for both sides, both political benefits as well as economic benefits. I think that's uh, the cornerstone of China's foreign policy. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, we come to the end for today's discussion. Many thanks to our guests. I'm Chindo. See you next time. Once upon a time, in a land not so very far away. Stories were told of the brave and the bold. The whole court fell silent to hear what the great warrior Mulan might ask for. Of mighty deities and powerful immortals. Immediately, the shimmering skin started to grow before his eyes. Of fated love and love sanctified. In dawn's golden light, New Lang said, Marry me. Of great journeys across fantastical landscapes. So the cat and the mouse climbed on the dog's back, and the dog swam across the broad river. In the company of friends and enemies and unimagined beasts. Good to see you. Of ordinary folk with tantalizing stories to tell. Heroes and heroines all. It's incredible. How did you do that? Tales of sad sacrifice and victories snatched from the jaws of defeat. Stories of the wise, the accomplished and the quick of mind. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world.